The time has come to ask for approval or funding or to greenlight a new way of doing things. When it's time for a conversation like that, this episode will help you get into the right mindset. Tom Henschel returns to be our guide on how to pitch your manager. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 579. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. I've had it happen so many times over the years, and especially in the recent past, where our members, our listeners have asked me for perspective on how do I have a conversation when I need to pitch my manager on something new, or maybe a new way of doing business, or maybe restructuring something, or changing someone's role. Insert situation here, but I think many of us have had situations where we've needed to pitch someone else on making the case for a change. It is, of course, the work of leadership for all of us to do that on some regular basis, and yet it is a conversation many of us struggle with to approach in a helpful, effective way, in a way that's most likely to lead us to the outcome we want. Today, I'm so glad to welcome back my dear friend and talented executive coach, Tom Henschel, who's going to help us to think about how we can approach a situation when we are trying to pitch our manager. Tom is from Essential Communications, and he grooms senior leaders and executive teams. He's an internationally recognized expert in the field of workplace communication and self-presentation, and he's helped thousands of leaders achieve excellence through his work as an executive coach and through his top-rated podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership. Many of you I know listen to Tom's show as well. It is the podcast I continually reference for so many wonderful ideas about leadership and Tom's work in coaching. Tom, what a pleasure to have you back as always. As always, a pleasure for me too. You and I have been talking about this topic for a while because it is something that we run into fairly regularly in helping the people who we support to think about how to approach this in an effective way. And I think we've identified three big areas to think about in the context of this conversation about pitching your manager on something. And and if we can I think if we hit on these big three areas, I think it will hit on a whole bunch of the things that fall into place around thoughtful preparation, but also execution when having a conversation like this. So let's just dive in and look at all three. Yeah. Dave, before we dive in, I I just want to echo two things that you've said so far that I think are really important. One is the word you just used about being thoughtful. I think a lot of people, you know, look, we think about pitching to our managers all the time. And I think that Sometimes we just do it because we do it the way we like to do it. One of the things that you have also talked about in the introduction was this idea of introducing change. And introducing change is hard. I think that's when you really need to be thoughtful. And what I think you and I are going to talk about today are tools that people can use to slow down a little bit and just up their game. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, let's look at that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that is um, it's really key when thinking about this. And I think the thing that I find when having a conversation about pitching a manager is many of the people I talk to about this often do a really great job 
at being able to coach others on this and provide insight to colleagues, to their direct reports, to customers, clients, when they're facing that. And yet, when they get in the situation themselves, there's something that gets in our way in most of us in our brains, that when we're in the situation ourselves, it's a little harder to see objectively. And I find that a lot of us tend to struggle with it when it's us. Well, uh, so then let's let's name the three circles that we're talking about. Yeah. So here, I'm just going to label them. The first one is purpose. We might also call that mindset. The second one is preference. And the third one is protocol. So you have three Ps, purpose, preference, and protocol. They're not sequential, as Dave observed, which is right on. These all kind of flow into each other. They happen as need be as you're thinking about pitching your manager. So, Dave, you have a place you want to dive in? Is there a place that's favorite for you here? Yeah, I think we start with the word that you talk about a lot on the look and sound of leadership, actually, which is altitude when it comes to purpose. <laughs> um, you use this word a lot of helping people to see things at altitude. Um, tell me about how you think about that word and where does it fit in with purpose when pitching something? Boy, I do talk about altitude all the time. And uh, to longtime listeners, I want to apologize, but I think it's worth restating it. The analogy that I use is Google Maps. When I do my work every day, I am clicked in on a satellite view on Google Maps and I'm looking at roof lines and patios and where the street curves. And I'm really into the details because that's my work. My boss doesn't even see the streets that I see. The boss is at a new altitude, clicked out. And for me to help my boss make sense of my work, it is not helpful to talk about patios and roof lines. It's mm -hmm. helpful to talk about how my patterns fit his patterns or her patterns. So that idea of altitude is about making a connection, trying to see at a higher level, giving yourself a, a promotion so you can see from a higher floor. Don't look from the seventh floor anymore. Look from the 21st floor. It, it makes an enormous difference. One of the things that you mentioned to me at one point when we were talking about this was thinking about, and I think this goes right along with altitude, of thinking about this through the lens of who's the ultimate audience, that mm. it's not often just, I mean, sometimes it might be just your manager that's involved in this approval presentation, whatever, but that thinking through who does your manager pitch to is also really helpful in, in going through this process. And, and we, again, if I'm kind of used to doing this and I'm, I'm just kind of like not being as thoughtful as I might be, I might forget about that step. But Dave, this is a, an altitude issue too, right? Which is if I'm going to hand it off to my boss, it, is my manager the decision maker? If so, then it's just between the two of us. And oh, great. That's, I, I'm not saying there's nothing to think about here. I'm just saying that is good information. But if you have something that you're really trying to create change with, your manager might need to take it forward to her manager. Well, you need to be thinking about that. How high can you go with your altitude? And how can you help your boss get ready for that talk with her manager? One of the questions I found myself asking over the years when someone is thinking through a situation like this is, how is your manager measured for their results? And mm. it's it's interesting that the most common response I get to that question is, huh, as in, it's not common, I find, that 
either in general or in the context of a situation where you're pitching something new, that folks have stopped to think that through, either from the lens of like, what does my boss probably really care about what's important to them? And also to the point you just made, Tom, like if there's a next person involved in this or an executive leadership team or committee or whoever, that there hasn't often been a lot of like objective thinking about, okay, what are those folks thinking about? What do they care about? What's on their radar screen right now? What's this year's objectives, this quarter's objectives, and how does this fit into that? It's the kind of thing that I find that actually people are generally pretty good at doing outside of this conversation, but then they get into the the emotion of making a pitch. And it seems like that often gets placed to the wayside. I'm, I'm curious if you notice that too. Yeah. So you talked about knowing, being able to kind of see how your manager gets evaluated at the end of her year, right? Right. Would I necessarily know that? And I was thinking for the people who have direct reports, if I went to your direct reports and asked them about you and how you get measured at the end of the year, would they know? Would you know that about your manager? That's a really interesting thing. And there's no reason you couldn't know that about your manager, but I don't know that people necessarily share that with each other. And I think it would be a great idea if they did. Yeah, I don't think they do regularly either in most organizations. And I've had this, it's interesting you bring this up because I've had this conversation with a few people and they've said, well, that'd be kind of an awkward question to ask my boss. Like, we don't talk about this question of like, what are you measured on? And I find myself often suggesting that they look for breadcrumbs then of what is it that your boss is talking about in the context of staff meetings? What is on their calendar? What are the meetings that they're going to? And those don't often provide a clear answer to that question, but it's interesting if you will pay attention for a bit to what language is being said, what's being talked about in staff meetings, what's not being mentioned, what meetings are they going to. You start you can start to piece together like what's on their radar screen right now and what's important in the context of their work. That's great. I, I I so support that. You know, I I've run into something that I think is interesting. And I wonder if your audience experiences this. Hmm. I think when work was done in person, we gathered lots of information about each other just incidentally. Oh yeah. And now that we're doing more and more work online and some people only see their managers literally online. Now there's no in-person meetings in that grouping. I think it's harder to get the information. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I don't feel like I have a great answer for like exactly how to do that either. But I think it's something for us to watch for and be conscious of like, do I know? Do I know what's really happening at the high, at, at, at that higher level? And am I starting to look for the clues that would be indicators of that? You and I, in uh, the conversation we had in the episode about managing up, you and I talked about having your manager as your biggest customer. And I think this is kind of what you and I are talking about right now for this entire episode today, this whole idea about pitching your manager. Well, how would you do it if your manager was your biggest customer? What kind of research would you do, right? All that. So right now we're still, I think we're still in the first bucket talking about purpose. Yes. Like what's the purpose here? And so one of the things that I want to introduce is the idea of, a business case. <laughs> when I work with people on this, Dave, 
often we parse the difference between a business case and a reason. And the business case is the thing that, for example, would support your manager going to her manager, right? Suddenly it's going to influence the business. There's a business case for it, but I have all kinds of reasons. It's going to help me with efficiency or it's going to help me this, or it's going to help me and my team this way. It's like, that's actually not what you want to pitch. I don't believe it is. Uh, I mean, unless, by the way, unless your boss has asked you to solve that problem, if that's what your manager is focused on, great. But this idea of purpose and business case versus purpose being a reason, I hope my distinction is clear. Yeah. So I'm curious, like when you are working with people on this and you're talking about the business case, what is it that helps someone to get past just the, the like the emotional stuff and to get to a place of looking at it from the business perspective? Almost exactly what you just said. I will ask people over and over, not what the business perspective is, but how would your boss see that? What does that mean to your manager? What is she going to think when you bring this to her? What's her questions going to be? Like, why would she care? Right. That I'm going to ask as many questions as I can to help the other person think like the manager. And that's what I'm going to do. Hmm. And, and the business case emerges or doesn't, by the way, or falls apart because you can't sustain it anymore. It's like, oh, well, maybe this isn't the right thing. Yeah. But, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So I, I think being really rigorous about answering the question, why would she care? Why would she listen? Why would this matter to her? That's really what you got to do. And that really gets you down to the purpose piece, right? That really gets you to, why am I doing this at all? Yeah. So what would you think about going to bucket number two, our second circle around preference? Yes. Let's look at this. Um, and I think there's so many different preferences that managers have on communication, what they're looking for, what they're not looking for, big picture versus detail, right? One of the things that you suggest is that it's helpful to match the manager's style preferences. What's a starting point for starting to think about that when making a, uh, when, when starting to put together the framework for this? Wow. I think the same you would be doing in your one-on-ones with your manager. I mean, I think matching your manager's style just has a million benefits if you can do it. So some managers think fast. They just skip over things. They go fast. They cover a lot of distance in a short period of time, in which case you need to learn to be nimble. You need to, may you, you may need to learn to speed up. Some managers, by the way, are the opposite. They go incredibly slowly and they actually want to hear about every detail that you've lost interest in. Like, then you have to learn to slow down, whatever. So on some level, matching is giving it to them the way they want, helping them make sense of it because you're trying to help their brain process your information. They don't actually understand your information. So you're always pitching. So I would hope that when it comes time to pitch a big one, that you're really paying attention. Also, by the way, and here's again, something that we may be deprived of in this era of remote interactions is how does your manager make decisions? What will put her over finally? Is it, I don't know, something about values for the company? Is that like a decision maker for her? In which case you better find it, right? But maybe it's detail, maybe it's numbers, maybe who knows? But you should know and you should match. Yeah, indeed. 
this is also a place that I think when it comes to just how we present and document things, there's really a difference as well, too. Some people are very verbal and want to have a conversation. Other people want to have slides. Other people want a text message or an email. <laughs> it, it really varies quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. And we're back to the idea of your manager as your biggest customer, right? Pay attention and do that. Put that person in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And match those preferences as best you can, because you're loading the dice in your favor. That's information that's already out there. Pay attention and adapt your style. You, you're going to bat for something you care about. It's, it's worth it. I remember when I used to teach presentation courses at Carnegie, I'd often start the course with, it's not about you. And <laughs> it was really interesting to think about presentations from the standpoint of, well, what would the audience want? Because our... Our default setting as human beings seems to be, well, how would I want to present this? What makes sense in my mind versus stopping and thinking like, gosh, the last four or five times I've, I've gotten approval from my manager, we did it over text message, or they really like wow. slides. or and, and, and it's interesting, like I've had this conversation both with myself and others of thinking like, well, I would never, I would never want someone to pitch me that way. And yet that's their preference. That's their style. And I think it's it's really helpful to just take a step back and think like, well, what is it that works for them? And how can I come alongside in a preference that is going to be more likely a style they're ready to engage in and used to? And if I can do that, uh, it really ups the chances that you're going to get have dialogue and attention and, and at least some consideration for whatever it is you're trying to pitch. Dave, what you're talking about to me is a real leadership skill, which is adaptability. That I think the really greatest leaders I've ever worked with are men and women who are able to adapt their style. And they started it early in their careers. They had lots to practice with, right? So what we're talking about here, this idea of preference is being adaptable. That it's, as you said, it's not about you. And it's, and don't, don't simply just kind of do what you've always done. This is an opportunity for you to really hone your craft. So be thoughtful and yeah, yeah. Let's look at the third circle, which is protocol. And as you said at the beginning, this isn't linear. These these all, there's some overlap. There's some different places we could put all of these, but there are some things that are probably a little bit more under the framework of protocol on what you're trying to do when you're having a conversation like this. Uh, one of the recommendations you've made to me before, and I know you make to others, is to get some intel in advance. What does that look like? Wow, it could look like all kinds of things. So let's assume that you really are pitching something that is going to create change. Your manager is probably not going to be the final decision maker. There's probably going to be some politics around this. There could be budget issues around this that your manager is going to have to fight for. I mean, who knows? I don't know how big the game is that you're playing, but I'll tell you what it might look like just as an example, because it made such an impression on me. This was many years ago at a, a tech company. They had one senior vice president who was, he wasn't brutal on his people, but he was demanding because most of his people were outward facing. He was really, really going to make sure that they could withstand the heat. And he was hard on them. 
And what ended up happening, speaking of gathering intel, was there were three layers of manager review before you got to that SVP. So that by the time you got in that room, you had been scrubbed. Talk about getting intel in advance, right? They told you the way to put it together. Well, we don't all have that. That was a gift, actually, by the way. It, it went. It was interesting. It was great. But yeah, get intel in advance. There's information out there. What are likely objections going to be? What are the questions that we haven't thought of that we need to answer? People actually know that stuff if this is on the radar at all. If you're making this up, if this is something that only applies to you and your team, there may not be a lot of intel out there, but maybe it rubs up against other teams. Who knows? There may be information out there for you. Mm, indeed. It, it seems like there almost always is if you're willing to do a little bit of work in advance to think something through, especially for a very visible, you know, high value item, item thing you're trying to, to pitch. Um, I was just thinking about one of our members who I've worked with over the last year, Tom. She's so impressive. And she is really, really great at having regular conversations with other executives in the organization and finding out what's important to them and what's on their radar screen and um, formal and informal. And then when inevitably the situations come up where she's pitching something to somebody, she often will go and have conversations with peers and colleagues and say, hey, you know, what am I, what am I missing here? What am I not seeing? And it's so helpful going back to that emotion and the, you know, our tendency of all of us to kind of think about things from our perspective. It's so helpful to broaden our perspective and to see some of the obstacles, the blind spots when we're spending time in advance, like getting objective perspective from others and like spending some time to do that and build those relationships, even when it's not part of the structure of the organization. So helpful. What a great story about that woman. She sounds fantastic. Like that somebody is spending part of their job, some of their work hours, simply gathering intel, building relationships, building bridges, creating alliances. That's fantastic. And again, by the way, in this remote era, it just takes effort. It's not that you can't do it. It just, you have to be conscious about it and make it happen. It's not going to happen walking down the hallway anymore. So that's just an amazing skill. And it's, It's one of those things where I go, yeah, that will, of course, help you in all kinds of parts of your career, including pitching to your manager. Yeah, indeed. And one of the other distinctions you made to me when we were thinking about this is, what are you trying to do in a conversation where you're pitching? Are you making a recommendation? Are you trying to suggest a specific path forward? Are you just trying to talk about options? Like there's a, I think one of the important points here is to really decide in advance, like, what are you trying to do in this meeting? What's the outcome that I actually want? Yeah. And it's funny, you know, that feels full circle to me to the very first uh, circle that we talked about, about purpose, right? Because that's kind of what we're talking about here. I think also in terms of protocol, these ideas about what are you recommending is to make sure that you're in the culture and of the language and just that you're, uh, unless you're actually literally trying to introduce new terminologies and things, which happens sometimes, by the way, I have someone who literally has to teach his business the language because none of them know the language. That's a protocol issue too. Right. But this idea of really making sure that when you clarify your purpose, like, 
Are you making a recommendation? What is it? Are you in your culture? Are you using all the words that everybody recognizes? Hmm. How would you know if you're not? Well, Dave, there's a part of me that wishes that people do learn their cultures, that people assimilate. And because that's a survival strategy for us as human beings, that's actually what we do in our tribes is we assimilate and we, it's not a, always a conscious choice, but it's what we do. It's, we imitate people. We, you know, if you go to a different part of the country, you start to get an accent. I mean, yeah. we do that with each other, right? Yeah, sure. So there's a part of me that hopes that people are observing each other already. And that isn't, that isn't that big of a stretch or by the way that mentors or colleagues of yours might help you out and say, you know, that's, that's, that's not how we talk about it. There's a benefit in being able to speak the language. Yeah, indeed. One of the things that I learned from Carnegie, and I think it's really helpful in thinking about from, from a standpoint of protocol, not only preparing for a conversation like this, but also actually having the conversation is clearly defining the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, mm -hmm. Almost always, there is a, a recommendation, a pitch to do something, budget is, and I think this gets back to what you said about the business case too, Tom, is that um, if it's not really clear what problem you're trying to solve, I think it becomes a little more questionable as to whether there's really a business case for it. That if you can clearly define the problem and cite some recent examples of the problem. Here's a time that this happened in the last six months where this caused whatever business issue on metrics, on revenue, on expenses, on marketing, uh, or here's a time that we've seen this trend, or here's the data we can pull. It's interesting how often I find that people really haven't either defined the problem for themselves or they have to find the problem, but they never really say that out loud. And it's not clear to the manager or the executive committee or whoever, what is the problem we're trying to solve here? Is this just a nice to have, or is this actually really address a problem? And I think getting clear on that in your own mind, but also saying that out loud at the start of here's the problem, here's examples of this problem, and then then going into the step, the, the path forward from there, I think that's really key. Boy, I want to build on that. So there's a real simple structure that I teach people around telling a business story. And it's really, really simple. And it sounds like what you're talking about. So I'm just going to throw it out real quick. Oh, yeah, people. please. I'm so interested in hearing this. So part one is the want. Part two is the obstacle. And part three is the resolution. Want obstacle resolution. Huh. And you can, you can think of this as any kind of storytelling of any movie, book, any story that you have ever experienced. So the example that I use is The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy wants to be over the rainbow and then she wants to come home. We as the audience always know what Dorothy wants. Your manager needs to know what you want. But then to make the story compelling, Dorothy has a problem. You know, she, she can't get over the rainbow in the beginning because it's only imaginary, but then she can't get home because it became real, right? That's an obstacle. And by the way, there's somebody trying to kill her. Oh, that's an obstacle, right? So 
there are obstacles for you in your business. If you in your business want something, what's stopping you? That's when people actually lean forward and go, oh, that's an interesting idea. Uh, and they get engaged. And then you get to say the resolution. Now for Dorothy, we know she wakes up and she's home. But in business, what the resolution is, is whatever you're proposing today. It's whatever you're about to suggest. So I suggest we do some more research. I suggest we fund. I suggest we have these three new headcount. But whatever that, that's the resolution. It's what you're asking for. And this can just help you clarify what you started on, Dave, this idea about clarify what you're asking for with the want, the obstacle, and the resolution. Oh, that's huge. And I'm not sure this is a perfect substitute. Does the clearly defining the problem, does the problem, is that is that the obstacle, that second step? Sometimes. Sometimes really clarifying it is you've identified the want. Mm. Like, what do we really want here? What we really want is we really want to fix that customer relationship. Or no, we actually really don't want to fix the customer relationship. We want to fix our supply chain issue. Like, what, what's the want? Yeah, indeed. And one other thing I'm noticing there is all of the language you're using is inclusive in the pronouns you're using. The we, <laughs> we want. It's not I. It's not I right. want this as individual employee and this is good for me. It is we. It is it again, it comes back to the context of everything you've said. This is it's a business conversation. What's the business case? Thinking about this from a what's the bigger, nobler motive at altitude of what we're trying to do by moving this forward. Yeah. So I, I have a kind of image that I hope people will just kind of I hope it'll stick with people about this whole issue. Hmm. And it it's often kind of what I, what I try and help people think of, if you're really trying to pitch your manager, these three things that this idea of purpose and preference and protocol are going to help you be thoughtful to achieve this objective. Your manager's brain is full. There is no room for whatever you are bringing her. She's full up. And yet somehow you need to find a way to make some space in there and put this into a place that will get some attention in what is already an, a very crowded space. All these tools that we've talked about today, I think purpose, preference, and protocol, I think they help you increase your odds, find a bigger key, you know, whatever the analogy is to make that space, you're going to be more successful if you can do these things. Mm, yeah, indeed. And Maybe to come back all the way to purpose, where we started, just following this, of course, is not going to guarantee that you're going to have the result that you want. In fact, I've seen many times, and I'm sure you have too, Tom, where folks have done a, I think, a wonderful job of pitching something using all three of these lenses, and they've not gotten the result that they wanted <laughs> at all. Yes, life's, life's tough. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> and the thing that I think is really key to what you just said of this isn't a one-time event. Almost uh -huh. never is it. Part of this is even if you don't have success in whatever the thing you're pitching today is, by following a process like this and thinking about these three lenses, if you do that well you're establishing yourself as someone who's able to, like you said earlier, think at altitude, make the business case, using inclusive language, looking out for what's the big picture of what we're trying to do. And I also have seen it happen many, many times where someone has not been successful on the initial conversation, 
But then on something else six months later or something related, because they have done the work, because they have looked at it through this lens, uh, that they're much more credible in the minds of whoever the person is they're trying to pitch. And as a result, you know, have had more success in the long run. Boy, the way I interpret what you just said is that it allows you to think about your career and not this one issue. Yeah. And uh, the analogy that comes to mind just quickly, uh, you know, I used to be a professional actor and there were auditions that felt like they would be life changing. And in fact, they were right. I mean, like auditioning for a pilot or something that really it could change your life. It does you no good to get focused on that. Right. So for you to get focused on like, oh, my God, what if this pitch doesn't go well? Oh, my God, what if my manager gets angry at me? Oh, my God, what if, what if, what if? It's like, that's not helpful. It doesn't help anything. So you need to be able to compartmentalize, put that aside. Right. And just do your work, do your pitch. You have had the unique perspective of both coaching a lot of people on how to do that over the years, but also yourself doing that so many times going into auditions. I've heard you tell me so many stories over the years of interesting auditions you went into in, in your past career. Have, did you find something, either for you or for others, that's helpful in those moments to do that, to set aside that, that, that big picture, life-changing career feeling that so often we have, and to be able to just show up in the moment? It's a choice. I mean, and it's a hard muscle to exercise, especially by the way, if you don't get to do it often, you know, it, 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 if you were only, I'm going to put this in quotes, if you were only quote on stage, close quote, you know, two times a year, that would be really hard. You know, that would be anxiety producing. If you're doing it every week, who cares? You know, at a certain point, it's like, whatever. So I think one thing is to truly treat it Treat it like this is something you do. This is just part of your job. It's one of the things you do. And no one moment is going to make or break your career. It's just not. That's a fallacy. And the story that you told, Dave, you might not get the thing in the moment, but you might get the thing later. Oh, my gosh. I have stories about that in my own career where, yeah, years later, somebody would say to me, yeah, well, we never hired you for that other job, but we're really glad you're here today. I was like, what? Like, you know what I mean? You just never know where the ripples are going. So just show up, be present. Don't freak yourself out. Tom Henschel is the host of the top-rated podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership, my favorite show to listen to. Tom, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And you, Dave. Thank you. Always a pleasure. In this conversation, Tom mentioned a three-step guide for telling a story, the want, the obstacle, and the resolution. If that piqued your interest like it did mine, Tom has graciously made available a one-page overview of exactly how to follow that three-step process. It's available as a download on the episode notes and it'll also be in this week's weekly leadership guide. Tom, thank you so much for that resource for all of us. Several related episodes, if this conversation was helpful to you, two of them past conversations with Tom. One of them is episode 433, How to Start Managing Up. In that conversation, Tom and I talked about the mindset of managing up in general. Of course, today we were talking about pitching your manager, but whenever you're trying to influence upward, thinking about the manager as your customer. In episode 433, we talked in detail about that. Tons of ideas 
ideas and suggestions and practical steps in that conversation that go right along with our conversation today. I'd also recommend episode 518 with Tom, The Way to Make Sense to Others. When you are getting a message across to others, especially when that message is going upwards, it's critical that that message is clear. Often we have clarity in our own minds, but then when we start saying it out loud, it doesn't really land with clarity with others. And sometimes we say it out loud and we realize we're not being clear either because we don't have the right framework to verbalize what it is that we mean. Episode 518 will show you exactly how to do that. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 450, The Way to Influence Executives. Nancy Duarte was my guest on that episode. If your manager is at the executive level, and as we talked about in this conversation, you want to make the business case to an executive, Episode 450 is a must-listen for you. Nancy and I talk in detail about how to approach the executive mindset, how to make the business case, the lenses executives tend to look through when thinking about what matters and what's important to them. If you're pitching an executive anytime, episode 450 is one should absolutely be on your radar screen. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, that's going to give you access to the entire live library, searchable by topics since 2011 on so many places that we have explored. One of those areas is executive presence, as we talked about a bit today. Many episodes we've aired over the years. When you set up your free membership, you can search by topic for the area that's most important to you. Uh, also, influence is this episode's going to be filed under. And uh, Tom has a button on the episode library there as well. So if you're looking for past episodes with Tom, we've done so many over the years. That's a great place to start. Of course, Tom's podcast as well, The Look and Sound of Leadership. All of that available at coachingforleaders.com. Set up your free membership. You'll be off and running with us on all those resources, plus the weekly leadership guide and all the other benefits inside of free membership. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Frederick Leloux to the show. He is the best-selling author of Reinventing Organizations and is going to show us how to help people show up as themselves inside the organization that conversation with Frederick next week. Have a great week and see you on Monday.